Good morning. Everybody hear me well? Man, thank you, brother. Uh, Please open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, you'll find that on page 1343 in the Bible in front of you. Page 1343, Romans chapter 5. And as I read verses 1 and 2, I want us to feast on just one verse this morning in our time together. Verse number 1. It is my desire this Lord's Day to put before your hearts and minds this mountaintop verse of Scripture, and for us to rejoice and to be challenged as we gather together to worship our Lord and Savior and come under the power and authority of His written Word. The title of the message is, Have You Been Justified? Please stand, if you're able to stand, for the reading of the Word of God. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word, Please be seated. Thank you. By the way of introduction, I want to talk to you today about being right with God. If you are to be right with anybody this morning, first and foremost, you must be right with God. He is first, and to be right with God is the most important issue in your life. It does not really matter to whom else you are right with if you are not right with God. In other words, if you are not right with God, it does not matter to whom else you are right with because being right with God justifies you before a just and holy God and grants you entrance into the kingdom of heaven. To be right with God is your greatest need. To be right with God determines your eternal future. To be right with God is to have a right standing before the one who created us for his glory. To be right with God is to be accepted by God, approved by God, and received by God. This is the greatest need that any of us here this morning has, is to be right with God. This is the glory of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the gospel that makes us right with God. It is the gospel that takes sinners who are an offense to a holy God, who have provoked the wrath of God, and gives us a favorable standing before his holy presence. It is the gospel that takes us as we are and where we are and elevates us and presents us faultless and blameless before the throne of God. This is what it means to be right with God. And this is what makes the gospel so glorious. And what makes the gospel such good news to us, who know Jesus Christ and his perfect redemptive work on the cross for our salvation. 
It is the gospel alone that makes us right with God. This is the most positive and powerful message that you can hear. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Most, uh, now, most of us here this morning have been justified and have been made right with God. And so I want to say to you that these truths from God's Word in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, should cause us to overflow with a sense of gratitude and thankfulness in our lives and in our hearts for what God has done for us in Christ, making us right before Him. I pray we would be encouraged this morning and look forward with great expectation with the blessed hope and promises that we have in Christ. No matter what else is going on, our, going on in our lives that would be troublesome to us or a form of adversity in our lives, to be right with God is to put them in the right and proper place. No matter how difficult the trials, the tribulations, or sufferings in our lives, we would see them as temporal in light of our eternal standing before a just and holy God. I believe we who are in Christ can have a sense of confidence in our lives if we know that we are right with God. We can be bold for Christ if we are right with God. We can give our lives, invest our lives, knowing that if God is with us and knowing that God is for us, whatever comes our way, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new for us. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is the confidence that comes to us from being right with God. However, there also needs to be a sense of humility in our lives as well. Because we have not made ourselves right with God. We have not commended ourselves towards God. No, we have been made right with God. Through the cross of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And what humility and what lowliness of heart and mind we should have contemplating the great price that was paid for our salvation to be made right with God. However, there are those here this morning who are close to the kingdom of God but have not yet entered in. They have taken steps towards Christ but not come all the way to Christ. I want to pray that today's message would be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path and would guide you all the way to the cross and to the righteousness that you can have in Christ before God. Let us pray before we look into the Word of God. Father, 
We thank you, Lord. This is a sweet time for us as we come to elevate the name of your Son, to exalt him, Lord God, for he is worthy. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement in our spirit and the joy that we have in Christ. Lord, I pray that your word, Lord God, would speak to our hearts this morning, that would be encouraged, that we would be drawn near to you, Lord God, through the truth of your word. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do a mighty work this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This word justified is used 30 times in the book of Romans. It is one of the dominant words in the book and the central theme in the book of Romans. How we can be made right with God, justified with God, and how the righteousness of God can be accredited to us. And the same root word that is translated for righteous and righteousness is the word justified. So this is the heartbeat of the book of Romans. This is its main and central theme. And I want to bring out of this text of Scripture three points of study and application this morning. First, I want you to see point number one in your outline. The meaning of being justified. The meaning of being justified. Therefore, having been justified by faith. What does this mean? That we who are in Christ have been justified. It is a legal term. It's a term um, that comes from the courtroom. A word lit- the word literally means to be declared righteous. For the judge from his bench to declare the one who stands before his judge's bar righteous. That's what the word means. It means to be cleared of all charges and to be given a status of being made right before the court. The word means to secure a favorable verdict. And in this verse before us, it is God, the moral judge of the universe, that we will either stand or fall. It is before God that we will either secure a favorable verdict of acquittal or a sentence of condemnation. It means to be made right with God, having been justified of all charges and the breaking of his holy law. We also need to remind ourselves that this is a one-time act. You notice here it's in the present tense, having been justified by faith. Here the Apostle Paul writes to the believers in Rome, setting forth this foundational doctrinal truth that we have already been justified. It's a one-time act. And it is so eternal and so permanent and so transcendent that whenever God declares a sinner to be justified, it's forever and never, never can be undone. It is a permanent verdict declared in the courts of heaven and can never be challenged or overturned. Praise the Lord. Now, as we look at this word justified, I want to give you three key words that will help us define what it means to be justified by God's grace. 
our first key word is imputation. The word imputation may not be a word we use in our everyday vocabulary, but it is a term that comes from the world of accounting. It is a financial word which means to transfer an amount from one account to another. It means to post something to someone else's account. And in the world of finances, it would be a sum of money that would be put into another person's account. And to understand what justification is all about, first of all, it involves imputation. And in the context of God's grace to the sinner, it is God who imputes the righteousness of Christ to our account. Not because we have worked for it, not because we deserve it, not because we merit it, but it is because of what Christ has done for us on the cross for our salvation. It is the merit of Jesus' death on the cross that paid for our sins as he became our substitute, bearing the wrath of God which we deserved. And in his very own righteousness, he has imputed it to us who believe. And when God looks at the record of our lives, he sees posted to our account the perfect righteousness of his beloved son. That's the meaning of imputation. It's undeserved, it's unmerited, and it comes freely to us by the grace and mercy of God. Our second key word is righteousness. Because what is imputed to our account is not money, it is not gold, it is not silver, but it is the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now what does the word righteous mean? It means to have a right standing before the court. It means to have a perfect, favorable standing under the law before the judge. And spiritually speaking, it means before the throne of God. Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, has perfectly and completely fulfilled the law of God for us at every point. And it is Christ's perfect obedience to the law of God that has been imputed to our account before the judge of heaven and earth. This, mean that God, this means that God sees us as though we have lived a perfect life. Perfect law keepers. In light of the scriptures that tell us that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's perfect holy standard. That there are none of us, not even one, who are righteous. That we have all gone astray and we have all broken God's law. But it is out of God's infinite love and his mercy and his grace that he sends his perfect sinless son who lives a life that we could have never lived on our own, takes our sins upon himself, our guilt, our shame, everything that we have done wrong in our lives and imputes to us his perfect righteousness. As Christ suffered on the cross, dying a bloody death for us, satisfying God's just, perfect law on the cross, we who know this Jesus Christ and have put our faith and trust and hope in Him and in Him alone 
have received his perfect righteousness. And the only way that any of us, if you be honest with yourself, any of us could stand before a just and holy God is to stand clothed in the perfect righteousness of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our third key word is pardon. And the word pardon means a release from a penalty. It means a cancellation of a debt. It too is a a word that comes from the financial world. And when a person would incur an immeasurable debt, finding themselves at a point of bankruptcy, totally unable to pay that debt, mattering that how hard they labored to change their situation in life, and coming to the realization that for the rest of their lives, they would never be able to dig themselves out of their financial burden, out of this financial situation. To the one the debt is owed, has the option, has the right to pardon that debt, releasing the debtor from under the penalty of that debt. That's what the word forgiveness means. That's what the word pardon means. And it is before God, to whom we owe an immeasurable debt, through the breaking of his holy law, that chooses to forgive us, to pardon us the debt that we owe him. Make no mistake about it. It's against him that we owe this debt. Every sin we have ever committed is directly against God and his holy law. And God, in his infinite mercy and his grace, has chosen to forgive us, to pardon us, and to impute to us his son's perfect obedience. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, we read these words. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, all our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting decrees against us, which were hostile to us, and has taken them out of the way, having nailed them to the cross. This is what it means to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. This is what it means to be justified, made right, before the judge of heaven and earth. It is only through Christ's righteousness that we can receive God's pardon and stand before his throne justified. Everyone on that day will stand before the throne of God. Let me ask you this. Have you been justified? Have you been pardoned the debt that you owe God in the breaking of his law? This truth is the greatest need in your life to be justified before God. Point number two in your outline. Not the meaning, uh, only the meaning of justified, but the means of being justified. The means of being justified. How does this transaction occur in our lives? As we look at verse 1, we read, Therefore, having been justified, here it is, 
by faith. Justification, having a right standing before God, is a free gift. And it is offered to us as a prepaid gift and can only be received, how? By the empty hands of faith. This faith is totally apart from human merit or human works. It is simply received by complete trust in what Christ has done for you on the cross. Romans 3.24 says, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. All justification, being made right with God, is offered as a free gift by His grace. We have heard of the acrostic for the word grace, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. This is what was imputed to our account. Romans 3.28 says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith, apart from the works of the law. Can anybody be justified by good works? Absolutely not. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 says, What shall we say? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he'd have something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. That's faith. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Whose righteousness? The perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ was accredited to him by faith. Now the word faith has come to have a a loose meaning in our day. Faith in our day can mean an intellectual assent an emotional feeling or a blind humanistic hope apart from Christ. I want to give you five words that are inseparable from true saving faith. They're the heads and tails of the same coin. Because true saving faith is powerful. It is dynamic and it is always life-changing. Our first word is repentance. And wherever there is true saving faith, there is repentance. And what does repentance mean? It is a godly sorrow over one's sin and a resolve to turn away from it. It's not that we don't sin anymore, but what it does mean is there's a brokenness over our sin. When the Holy Spirit convicts us in an area of our lives and a resolve in our hearts to fight for obedience in that area in our lives, to turn away from it and to pursue holiness in our lives. You see, God is glorified in the battle against sin in our hearts and in our lives. Our second word is submission. Wherever there is true saving faith, There is the submission to the authority of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The word submission means to come under a higher authority. It is a military word, a hupatasos in the Greek. It means to line up under a commanding officer and to follow his command. This is what submission is. And wherever there is saving faith, There is submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ and a sweet willing desire, 
not a burden, not something that you regret doing, but a sweet, willing desire to come under His authority and to follow His direction and to obey His word. Romans chapter 1, verse 5 speaks of the obedience of faith. And wherever there is saving faith, there is always a lifestyle of obedience and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our third word is surrender. This word is close to the word submission, but as we come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a surrender to King Jesus. This is where the knee is bowed. And there is a relinquishing of your life to the Lord. This is a place where God uses your life and the gifts that He has given you for His glory and for your good. True saving faith produces this surrender of your will and creates within your heart a desire to do His will. The fourth word is denial. This is where you come to deny yourself pick up your cross, and follow Christ. This is what saving faith produces in order that there may be the beginning of His life and His Lordship in your heart and in your soul. Our fifth and final word is commitment. This is where you would give yourselves like a sacrifice. Put on the altar and commit your life, entrust your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and in service to Him. This is why many people on that day will say, Lord, Lord, but will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is why so many people have tipped their hat to the Lord Jesus Christ and have joined a church, been baptized, experienced fellowship with God's people, assuming that they are right with God. But there has been, unfortunately, no repentance, no submission, no surrender, no denial, and no commitment to Christ or His church in their lives. Salvation is confirmed in one's life when true saving faith is exercised towards the Lord. Not just out of the mouth, but lived out in the everyday life. Romans 12, verse 1, right? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. The witness and testimony of God's great work of salvation on our lives is evident to the world when true saving faith is exercised towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we consider all of these testimonies of faith witnessed in a true believer, one would ask, who's adequate to have this kind of commitment and devotion to Christ? Who could be so on fire for Christ in their lives? One of the great truths of the Bible is this. True saving faith is a gift from God. And God gives us this kind of faith. He gives it to His elect. He gives it to those He is drawing to Himself. He gives these gifts of repentance, submission, surrender, denial, and commitment to the ones He saves. True saving faith will always bear fruit of good works in one's life. 
However, good works can never produce saving faith. Why? Because it is a free gift from God. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anybody be in Christ, he or she is a new creature or, a, or creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Have you become a new creation? Is there a new desire to glorify Christ in your life? If you find yourself outside of Christ today, cry out for his mercy. Repent of your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And receive with the empty hands of faith the free gift of salvation. We all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Salvation is of the Lord. Point number three on your outline. The mediation of being justified. The mediation of being justified. And I want you to see the great mediator of this justification between us and God. A mediator is one who stands between two parties that had a falling out, that are at odds with one another, where there is a conflict and brings about reconciliation. That's the role of a mediator. Now I want you to see who has mediated this peace between us and a just and holy God. And at the end of Romans 5, verse 1, we read, We have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Nobody else. Only Jesus Christ can mediate this peace between us and God. He is our mediator. Now let us look at this text more carefully. The Apostle Paul says we have peace with God. Notice he doesn't say we will have peace with God or someday we will have peace with God or one day when I die on that final day we will have peace with God. No, he does not say that. He says we have been justified Past tense, therefore, now present tense, we have peace with God. Now, do you know the difference between having the peace of God or having peace with God? The Bible speaks of both. There's the peace of God, which is emotional, experiential. It is the calm of the Holy Spirit puts in our hearts during the storms of our lives. It's the tranquility the stillness within our hearts and souls that only God can give us. And what a blessing it is. We all know that verse, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. However, That's not what our text is speaking about. Now listen, this presupposes this truth. That before we were saved, 
There was enmity between us and God. There was war between the sinner and God and God and the sinner. And through the mediation of Jesus Christ, he has ushered in peace with God. This peace is objective. It is positional towards God. The scriptures teach us that God is at war with the sinner and the sinner is at war with God because of our natural sinful rebellion in the breaking of his holy law. So how does a just and holy God who can't even look upon sin or have it in his holy presence have peace with sinful, rebellious, law-breaking sinners? It's out of his infinite mercy and his grace that he sends his only begotten son to pay the penalty for our sins, appeasing and satisfying God's just and holy demands of holiness and has brought peace with God. How? Through the blood of his cross. And when Jesus was hanging on that cross, it was as if he was taking sinful man in one hand and the perfect holy God in another. And he brought them together, establishing peace through the blood of his cross. This is what Jesus has done for us through this mediation. Let me give you two key words that further unfold the meaning of this mediation of peace that Christ has purchased for us. The first key word is propitiation. This word propitiation means appeasement. It means satisfaction. It's the appeasement of God's wrath and the satisfaction of his holy justice. Romans 1 verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, that's present tense, against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That was me before I was saved, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Because I could not come to the terms that I have failed, that I have sinned, that I've missed the target, I've offended a holy God, and I needed a mediator to stand between me and God. And by faith I turned to Christ. And he reconciled me to God through the peace of his cross. That's what Christ has done for me. And in the midst of this war, and in the midst of God's wrath being poured out on a sinful race which has broken his law and have rebelled against him in their hearts, God in his mercy and his great love shines the light of his glorious gospel through this dark and sinful world. It is through the perfection of the sacrifice and the blood of his cross that Jesus Christ has appeased the hot, white coals of God's wrath towards the sinner and has established peace between us and God. Second point. Second word is reconciliation, which means the bringing together of two parties in a dispute. And in Romans 5, verses 10 through 11, we see this reconciliation. Listen to God's word. For if while we were enemies, that's what the Bible says. That's what we were before we were saved. 
we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only this, but we exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. This is why Paul says in our text this morning that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing it is to be justified. What a wonderful feeling it is to be right with God and to know that I have peace with God through the person and work of Jesus Christ for my salvation. The Lord looks favorable on me and that in Christ I have been justified by faith and have peace with God through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is personal to me. This is what he has done for me and what he has done for you. Conclusion. I love how this verse ends. With the perfection of the person and work of Christ. This is the gospel. The Lord, that's his deity. Jesus, that's his humanity. His ministry, I'm sorry. (laughs) Jesus is his ministry. Christ is his humanity. There's the entirety of who Jesus is and what he has done. I'm going to ask you again. Have you been justified? Are you right with God? Are you at peace with God? Or are you still at war? Or worse than that, is God still at war with you? There is no neutral ground to stand on in the courts of heaven. You either stand before the judge's seat clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ or condemned in your sin and in unrighteousness. Would you consider Christ today? Would you see by God's grace your desperate need for a Savior and fall before the Lord and repent of your sins and confess Him as your Lord and by faith put your trust and hope in Him and in Him alone for your eternal future? Bible says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Christ. I plead with you before it's too late. Please stand for our closing hymn, 289, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness.